0: Can you see it? Did you know
3: this over? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores!
0: You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, beat reporter here. Like, I don't I won't <laughs> cover the Canucks, yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash.
3: Just wave the guy and get Gemco involved. I wanted them in and down. We wow, really? we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What <laughs> I'll steals cutting in shoots
1: don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air let's go
0: Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code HockeySeason, capital H, capital S, all one word, HockeySeason. That will get you $5 off your first order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. Check them out on all platforms. Those new Fortnite, have you heard about this, guys? Fortnite 2021 Panini. Fortnite series three black. I'm, I'm back on
3: the Fortnite. They took building out of it and it's fun again.
0: Okay, but I but played are two you games buying, last night. Are you buying Fortnite branded trading cards?
3: No, I'm not doing that.
0: Wyatt,
1: am I allowed to talk yet? I don't You're know.
0: <laughs> so Sitting here.
1: Yes, I do agree. The no build version is mo- is very fun. I like yep. it.
0: So go check out Zephyr Epic Z E P H Y R Epic, and we kind of just hinted at something that we'll get to in a second because we have a very special
1: guest. <laughs> spoilers on here. This
0: episode. <laughs> very special guest, and people can read the title. But regardless, Zephyr Epic, check them out. The best part about Zephyr Epic, in our humble opinion, is that they ship free anywhere in Canada
3: on any order over fifty dollars from from Port Alberni. To Porcupine Plain, Saskatchewan.
1: Isn't it porcupine?
0: Yeah, porcupine.
3: We, what was that? Porcupine. Uh, well, I, I stumbled through <laughs> it a little bit. Porcupine. <laughs> the porcupine. I think. I think. Well, if you're talking about the place, we don't know what it's called. The animal, <laughs> maybe. But the por- It might be porcupine. No, place. They have
0: like Porky the porcupine.
3: Okay. Well, anyways, <laughs> Saskatchewan town. You can say it however you want. You have insulted those people now. <laughs> Population of porcupine plain, Saskatchewan. They haven't done a census since 2006. So I don't know what's been going on over there uh, in East Saskatchewan. 855 people there in 2006. Here's the interesting thing. We've talked about this in the past. We don't know what this exactly means. 388 of those people, almost half of them, are in private dwelling, which I thought was caves at first when we talked about the Newfoundland places. But there's, I don't think there's a lot of caves in Saskatchewan. So almost half of their population in private dwelling. Why had any idea what private dwelling means? I think it's bunkers, it's, yeah, hmm. Clearly bunkers. whatever it is. They that's, this might be the highest percentage of private dwelling I've seen in one of these wow. Canada-wide cities. Okay, Big well. percentage, East Saskatchewan, and the mayor of uh, Porcupine Plain or Porcupine, whatever you want to call it. Mayor Nick Wood. That's mm. a
0: powerful that's mayor a good name. name. That's Nick a good. Wood. That's a good Saskatchewan name.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I'd vote for that guy if I was in Sass.
0: I
1: feel like the towns like overrun with porcupine or porcupines, <laughs> and they're, they're hiding in bunkers. That's what's going on, right? That's that's clearly what's going on well, here.
3: Th- well, what did, we had one the other day that was like uh, they were like it was like Lost Path or something, and it made sense. And they told us why the what place was called that. Well, what was it called? I didn't see. Come anything. by chance. Come by chance. That's right. So Lost come by Path. chance. Whatever <laughs> it was, and they said they they come by this city by chance, and I was like, oh, great a little backstory. And what's the backstory here in, in Porcupine Plain? It's got know. me all nervous about how to say porcupine no. The porcupine. I like the way I said it. Porcupine. <laughs> I like the way I
0: said it incorrectly. Okay, let's move on. Um, you're the research on cities, guys, so you figure out well, this for is next episode some more porcupine plain facts.
3: One of the weakest Wikipedia pages I've ever seen in my life. I means they have one, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> Get on it, Chris. Yeah, yeah. update it. They're not going to challenge you Honestly, on that. I could probably call Nick Wood. I bet his his, yeah. his phone number is probably Wood's just like, on there. There's
1: a media request for me? <laughs> you know, he answers the phone when you're speaking to the Wood.
3: Like, you know <laughs> that's what's happening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital Ds, all one word CONVODD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is Dave Guidrelli. I'm joined as always by the man who built the place, Chris Faber, and very, very special guest wearing a Puma tracksuit, looking fantastic, I might add Wyatt the Stanchion. Aren't of the athletic.
1: Essentially, why the porcupine uh, <laughs> aren't right now? Uh, branding, uh, you know, yeah, uh, porcupine, <laughs> porcupine, porcupine, porcupine. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here, boys. It's uh, nice. I got some jelly beans in front of me, and uh, I'm holding a microphone like I'm at like a comic con or something. I feel very important right now. It's very exciting. <laughs> so
0: you are important, and we'll tell you why. So <laughs> don't let them tell you anything else. Why? <laughs> so. We have a rule on this show that we broke last week. But yeah. for the Oof. first 10 minutes of the show, we usually talk non-hockey. Uh, and then by the 10-minute mark, we get into the hockey talk. We have reviews that say, if you want hockey talk, this isn't the show for you in the first 10 minutes. Uh, but then there's people who say they love the show. Uh, they love that we do the non-hockey talk in the first 10 minutes. People have very mixed feelings. So basically... We set it out as 10 minutes so that people, if they just want the hockey talk, they can just fast forward.
3: Yeah, you're wasting our fun time here I at know. the I I'm sorry.
0: My, my point okay. is, there's a show coming up that you're a big part of at Terry Fox Theatre tomorrow That's night. That's right. Saturday evening.
1: That's right. Nation Extreme Wrestling having their seventh show. Uh, it's at uh, the Terry Fox Theatre. And it's going to have some of the best wrestling talent in the goddamn Pacific Northwest. Mm. And... uh you know, Rob Faye's there, our buddy, uh, Justin Morissette, Jordan Bowman, my buddies are going to be doing commentary. Uh, again, top wrestling, a lot of fun. There's a barbecue before the show, boys. Four to six, get some burgers, hot dogs. They still got the deal. I see Is it was four burgers, four
3: beers. You got some sort of deal. You just show up and do it. Nine, too. nine
1: bucks, I think. Yeah. You got, like, again, this, it's, it's easy, affordable entertainment. Uh, it's the most exciting thing you'll see aside from Porcupine, Saskatchewan, <laughs> right? Like, Nick Wood's going to be there. I think I sent an invitation. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun.
3: That could really be an easy W or like wrestling character. Nick Wood. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. a mayor in East Saskatchewan, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's here to fight with a port. Yeah, pie skull. yeah.
0: <laughs> His gimmick is literally just him. Yeah,
1: yeah. But I cut through red tape. Oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> this guy gets it.
0: <laughs> All right, but yeah, Wyatt. Super happy to have you here. We've got a few Canucks nice things to talk about. Do you guys have anything else you want to get off your chest? We have two minutes left of non-hockey talk before the overlords get mad at us.
3: I feel like today's the first day, and I'm. You know, obviously taking advantage of it sleeveless weather it feels like right now to start uh, the summer That's i might bold. it's supposed to rain today well i know it's cloudy but it's it's got that uh, i don't i don't think humidity is the right word but you know that like feeling in the yeah, air yeah. that that it's warming up a little bit because the other day it was like sunny but raining and you know that smell when like rain's hitting yep. you know the road and it gives you that smell of like summer like it only comes in the summer because it's something about the water hitting like the hot cement i just i smelled that the other day and i said i'm wearing a sleeveless shirt like on friday so i think i'm kind of moving into that point of this this time of may because after may long is when it kind of turns but we didn't get that for like the few days after may long but I, i'm feeling like this is the turning corner right here this is the last weekend of like rain before we get to really get some sunny days here hopefully we'll see i, feel
1: I like you jinxed, so. you jinxed it you jinxed it's gonna rain Maybe. man it's been weird weather <laughs> you know how many
3: games like i do the producing for the vancouver canadians at 650 and like so many games have been rained out and it's been like awesome. Cause it's like two hours before the game, you get a text and you're looking outside, it's raining and like, perfect. Don't have to come in tonight, but I don't think those are going to be happening anymore. C's are going to be buzzing. I can't wait to, to get back out there. Oh, It's going to be awesome.
0: I I went to one Vancouver Canadians game this year and it was fantastic. It was so much fun. Oh, right. It
3: was a lot
1: of fun. Both J-Swing, my buddy J-Swing is the mm-hmm. DJ there, yeah. so yeah. There it's, go. It's, it's, get some hot dogs. Basically, anything that involves cooked meat is going to be a good time. Wrestling, yeah. baseball, it's, it's all good.
3: I feel bad for J-Swing because he asked, um, he's like, hey, can you get? Uh, can you talk to some of the AHL guys for the playoffs? I want to have a really good playoff playlist put together. So I asked all the AHL guys for like uh, some requests for Jay Swing to play during the uh, Abbotsford Canucks warm-ups, and unfortunately, Jay is not oh. even going to be able to use that uh, that playlist that he that he probably was going to work really hard on and get all set for the guys and get their favorite tunes in there. Unfortunately, Abbotsford doesn't get any home games, so he
1: should put on Spotify still, like you know, shattered yeah. dreams playlist. Like, hey, okay, what could have
3: been? Why <laughs> yeah. not? Quick shout out, like, shout out, this is uh, Juleson's favorite song. No, Juleson's favorite song. Just <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the Juleson remix. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh we're approaching ten minutes. So we'll, we'll go before Canucks. We'll go general hockey talk. Because oh, last wow. night, we're recording this Friday, it'll be out Saturday morning. Edmonton Oilers advanced to the Western Conference Final with Mike Smith in net. Can you believe it, folks? But they beat the Calgary Flames in game five, take the series four to one. That goal, that Blake Coleman goal late in the third, if you don't know, <laughs> tied four <4-4, laughs> four. Uh, Blake Coleman appears to give the Calgary Flames a lead late in the third period. That's the key word there, late. The goal gets called back. Uh, It was a kick, apparently, said the league. And this game goes to overtime. Connor McDavid makes quick work of it. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau. Allowing him to do that, I uh, I think that clip's gone quite viral of Johnny Gaudreau kind of leaving his defensive coverage because he wanted to break out of the zone early, but you can't That's do the that. Gold
1: open play that was a gold open play.
0: Yeah, that was. <laughs> Man, watch it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: But yeah, Edmonton Oilers move on. Blake Coleman. My question to you guys: Did he kick it or not?
3: Yeah, I think these these type of moments are so awesome because. There's, there's, this is, I don't, I wouldn't say 50 50, but there's definitely an argument on both sides. I'm in the camp of it wasn't kicked in. If the, if the rule is like actually a kicking motion, like he definitely had a motion to like redirect the puck into the net, but that wasn't a kicking motion for sure. And like, yes, he definitely, like in my eyes, he definitely knew, knew what he was doing putting the puck into the back of that with a skate, but I don't think it was a kick. Sure.
1: Wyatt, do you have anything i mean yeah i guess joel Otto in the goal against canucks so calgary deserves this so I'm, yeah. I'm glad it happened but it's one of those things where yeah i think he obviously you know accidentally and purpose did it uh you know this skate's going out i like it like Bexa uh, i'm gonna listen to him too he kind of agreed to that like he he knew what he was doing so couldn't happened to a better team uh i'm excited it went like that and uh yeah i know i'm kind of uh i'm yeah i keep thinking of the johnny Goudreau play I still stuck in my head it's the flyby, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing about me that makes me laugh the most. Like that puck was going in anyways. Like I feel like okay. he's, yes. he's gonna tap it in. Like I know I understand. Like the puck's there. Like you like I assume, and I, he just wants it in. Like you just want a goal. He's not there trying to snake it. You know, like I'm gonna be yeah. a hero. But like <laughs> yeah. you just think if you could do it again, you be like oh. But yeah, if you saw the the, the press, the the post game presses from him, this dude just won two Stanley Cups. You couldn't give a shit. He's like, well, <laughs> what are you gonna do, guys? Yeah, yeah that's what happens. Yeah, <laughs> his teammates are they're, they're, they're bummed. They're like. I can't believe it happened. Like this is this is the worst thing ever. He's like, "Well, what are you gonna do, man? That's tough. Whatever. this is one two cups. Don't care. <laughs> Ready for some time off? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he cares, but it doesn't does affect
3: him because, like, yeah, yeah, you've won two cups. Like, if you've never won a cup, that's gonna haunt you.
1: You just won two cups. You're like, well, what are you gonna do, man?
3: Especially like that Flames <laughs> team. That like it felt like the Flames were all in this year. Like, oh, you yeah. see next year they're gonna have even more cap problems. They're not gonna be able to bring anyone else in. They have like Jacob Pelche coming in out of the HL is gonna be pretty good. Like Dustin Wolf as their backup goalie. But man, it felt like I I don't know like I. I found myself like rooting more for the Oilers to win just because I love the storyline of seeing Connor McDavid, like go deeper into the playoffs and maybe like simply for that reason, that's why I like started to kind of root for the Oilers in this series. And I I picked Calgary to win. I thought Calgary was going to win, but the way that like the series even started, like with like, was it nine, six, like nine, six games started off. I mean, just, just start the series off like that. I was like, Edmonton, you know, like they could win this actually, if you're going to see Markstrom from like play like that throughout the series. And Like I got some stuff in there to talk about with goaltenders later, but it it was kinda wild to watch Markstrom just get like I don't know, sub nine hundred goaltending throughout the whole Time of that series like that you can't like you can't do that against the best players in the world. Unfortunately, like Calgary needed Markstrom to be like even just like a a bad version of himself instead of just an absolute horrible version of Jacob Markstrom to even be in this series. And yeah, it was it was like I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the Oilers can do in the Western Conference Finals. I know maybe that's not like the best thing for like a Canucks show or like somebody falls a Canucks to say, but it's well, going to set up for some exciting hockey in the western conference finals. I don't I don't want two boring teams. Like I wouldn't I would have hated to see like the St. Louis Blues play the Dallas Stars in the western conference final. It would have sucked. Like at least this is going to be fun no matter. I'm hoping it's Colorado, but like seeing the McKinnon versus McDavid battle, like especially if they're on the ice at the same time and they will because they play like 25 minutes a night. So like when they're on the ice together, that's going to be so fun to watch. It's almost like to me, like when you watch baseball and like every time Vladimir Guerrero comes up, like you have to watch the at bat. Yeah. Like when they're on the ice together, it's the same way. Like you're you're going to have to watch how that shift plays out if you're like scrolling Twitter or whatever. Like you got to put the phone down for a minute and watch these two go against each other because they're that good.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, there, there are like a couple of obviously the Flames are half Canucks anyways, but there's some of the fun storylines there. Like, hearing what Chris Tanev, like I've had the exact same injuries he's had. And like, I'm amazed he could at play at time. all. Right. Yeah. Like you can't, there's no, yeah, <laughs> he, he can't like, you can have no strength at arm whatsoever. It's the fact he's been out there. Like it shows how important he is to that defense, but also you, you watch, you watch that series. Like Calgary was a, was a very formidable team during the regular season, but then you watch that series. And as it goes on, you're kind of like, their defense isn't that good, it's yeah. like, like, but McDavid has a way of doing that, right? All of a sudden, yeah. you are questioning yeah. everything about that yeah. team, right? Like you are kind of overthinking it, and like oh, because like you know, for a while, Rasmus Anderson was like you know this like the prior for us, like oh that that, that was a could have been a canuck, but now it's like oh it was not good, and you kind of break everything down. But McDavid just made them look so foolish, and even during the regular season, Markstrom struggled against his Oilers team. There is something again. McDavid's a good player, and <laughs> that's what I, I kind of found funny. Found it funny at the end when they're asking all these questions about how would you guys find this like different gear to like beat this character team, and you didn't give up, and it's like the answer is Connor McDavid. He's playing at a generational yeah. level. Like look at the play. It's like, it's yeah. like the charts are like, he's off the charts in how he's playing. And you know, that's, that's the joy of having him on your team. And he's doing a lot of that. And, uh, there are some Canucks fans. Hold on, everyone here. Um, Taking the victory laps over Markstrom struggling and like, oh, nah, they did the right thing. Um, Your own team ran Demco into the ground, too. Like, it's not something that, like they're going to run like they're going to play Markstrom 60 games. They're going to play Demco 60 games. Like, overusing your goalie is a risky prospect. And I understand Markstrom can have some injury prones And maybe like there is there is a debate to be had. Like when he gets tired, his game does seem to get sloppier than other goalies. I get that. But Demko, you can run him to the ground just as easily. Like, I don't think
3: that's the time to take a victory lap of like, oh, and they
0: did. yeah, like, if they made the playoffs. They didn't have Demko. Demko yeah, yeah. yeah exactly.
3: Right. Out. Like, look what happens. Right. Well, I think like I wanted to expand on that. I got it in the outline there just to chat about like, I, I'm so curious to see what happens moving forward with goaltenders. And the Canucks are a perfect example. Like, I think if you're a team that's fighting for a playoff spot, like the Canucks had to be like, you're pretty comfortable playing 60, 65, like in that realm for your goalie. But like, I think of a team like like the Flames. Like, when the Canucks eventually get to that point of being a team that's always in the playoffs, like, we hope that they can get there. They have the core to do it. When they're at that point, you you can't be playing. It just feels like the way that – it like, goaltending, it's so strange to me. Like, they're getting – they're going to have to have a lot more rest. But it's 2022. We've seen, like, such advancements in, like, you know, just being able to, to off-ice take care of your body as much as you do on the ice. And it's strange to me that that, like – hasn't been able to to kind of catch up to goaltending goaltenders getting mm. injured and understand that like the butterfly for goaltenders is obviously a lot different than it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago and how much goaltenders are going down, coming up post integration, whatever Audi V8 engines, <laughs> whatever they do back there that you call it. Uh, all that stuff is like, it's definitely demanding on a body. And and the other thing that it's kind of interesting to think about is like, yeah, it's like, oh, well, Demko had such a tough night. He faced, you know, 37 shots he probably faced like 75 shot attempts in that game. Like that's preparing for a lot of shots at that point. And the Canucks need to do a better go- job of like, not only playing him less likely when they're going to be into a playoff spot of, you know, maybe being in that 55 start range, but they need to make those nights easier on them too. Otherwise you are going to get to situations like you did this year. And you can't finish the season with Demko. So with the backup, like Spencer Martin now coming in, That's like, they're really rolling the dice. Like I love Spencer Martin. I watch him play in Abbotsford all the time. He looks like to me, a goaltender that's ready to be a backup, but he also still hasn't proven it yet. Like not even close to it. Like he had, you know, six starts and he was great in all six starts. That's for sure. Good. But what does he look like in the 25 sample size? I'm not saying that I'm like worried, but it's a certain thing where if he is having to play 30 starts, potentially like, let's say Demko even just has like a two week injury. You're going to get like 30 starts out of Martin because I don't think the Canucks are going to be starting Demco for 60 games that, this year.
0: That's just a risk I think this team in their current form has to take. Yeah. Like when I look at this team and I see, okay, they're going to try and have a plan now. They're going to try to change things a little bit and they're going to try to, uh, you know, change the way they do things in the sense of we're going to have a keen eye on the future. The panic move is we got to go get an expensive backup. And that's how you end up with Braden Holpe still on your cap. So you still end up with Jarl Halak on your cap. When you make decisions based on that, right? And I think the Canucks are making this as like like the Canucks are making the decision and saying there's no risk involved. Spencer Martin's fantastic. What are you talking about? They're looking at it and saying, okay, this is a bet that we have to take. Like they have to take this bet and say Spencer Martin falters. They can always go. I still think they might sign a third string guy. Like there's still that chance that they might still sign a, a Spencer Martin 2.0, if you will. Uh, And they'll have, you know, Mikey, like a a
3: Martin Spencer, perhaps. (laughs)
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, They'll have an Archie Silovs and Mikey DiPietro starting, obviously, in Abbotsford. And, you know, there's no NMC on Spencer Martin's contract blocking one of those young guys from taking the reins, right? Because with the way Halak struggled, Spencer Martin would have got the call up and the backup situation you think would have been fine. Right. So they have options now. And I think when you look at it all in the grand scheme of things, this is just a bet that the Canucks look at and say, this is one we have to make. We need the cap space. This is a guy on a league minimum deal. You know, it's great for Spencer Martin that he's got a one way contract. Like, that's fantastic. He's going to be super happy about that. Everybody wins here. I I know the Canucks don't have a veteran backup and a guy that. You know, they're for sure, okay, this guy could give us 30 games if we need him, and if Demko goes down, he's a fine starter. Spencer Martin did fine in the
3: starts he had in the NHL. like well, Better than fine. He's 950 save percentage.
0: Exactly, but, you know, people will, rightfully so, point to the rebound control problems and how the Canucks played a little bit different in front of him. There are still issues, with, not issues, but there's still room for improvement for Spencer Martin. He's still, you know... You're going to make fun of me, but the post-integration, he wants to keep working on that. He doesn't move the, the way that, you know, uh, Curtis Sanford and Ian Clark goaltender would move, right? And that usually leads to success, except for Mikey DiPietro, who never got to touch a puck for a full year, mm-hmm. and then he was in. So um, the way I look at it is it's just a risk that the Canucks have to take.
1: I'm intrigued by like even like why Halak was signed by this team just in terms of like his fitting in with Ian Clark's system like an older goalie that was like you know placed you know deep in his net and like it's just weird it was a weird thing I don't, I don't know it was never felt like a fit I felt that's the Jim Bidding way I guess is signing a, a name you know but it just made sense like you said like right now this team's not in a position to be like hey let's drop two mil on a backup goalie like no you've got to put that 900k in like a back a guy you can work with like that that's what makes sense for them and Let's be honest. If Demko goes down, your season's going to be pretty much done, anyways. I yeah. don't think they have a, a, a guy that can step in and be that you know that, that Ottinger to come in and be like, "Whoa, this guy's blown his way." D. Peters not there yet. Uh, you know, I know you should have got like you Maybe he comes in and like starts <laughs> dominating. I don't know, but it's just it's 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 nice to talk about the fact that they have a Spencer Martin. The fact that like we're hearing for what we're hearing from the GM is that they're kind of doing these cost effective moves, and we're hearing about like even I'm sure we'll get into it, hedging like the bets on J.T. Miller, and them kind of saying like, "No, like we're actually trying to like." save money and plan long-term because it was like eight years, man. If like every year they would just go all in on these contracts and we just sit there going, what are they doing? This doesn't fit. This doesn't work. And now at least we're discussing the right things for once. So it's nice to be like, Hey, look, they like Spencer Martin is here. Like, (laughs) you know, I think it's a lack of, I hope he goes to another team and and does well. He's been one of the, you know, best back goals in the league, but this team didn't need him and they don't need him. (laughs) Like he doesn't fit. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I think like moving forward too, like, if you look at just like the goaltending situation, the cap that they're putting into their goaltending, Like a lot of teams around the NHL would love to be paying under $6 million for what you're about to get from at least Thatcher Demko for sure. Like you're pretty confident what you're going to see from Demko next year. And even if you get like, let's say that that Spencer Martin has has a six-game stretch next year during his 25 games where he plays even at the same level that he did this year, like you're probably getting six wins there. You're hoping if you're getting 950 goaltending at that point. And if Spencer Martin's able to like do this consistently – you're looking at an awesome pairing at under $6 million to your cap hit. Cause let's not forget that Demko's on the five year, $5 million contract. Martin's now what is it? Two times eight seventy-five or eight fifty or something. Uh, It's a starts with a seven, seven. Yeah. Wow. So like even, even lower than I thought, like just to see that that's, where the Canucks are actually taking advantage of their cap. It's it's really good because, like, <laughs> the defense is not taking care, like, taking the advantage of the cap. The forwards, now that you don't have, you know, Petterson on his ELC, you still have some spots where you're taking advantage of cap space in your forward group, I think, like, with specifically Vasily Podkolzin, Niels Huglander, but the goaltending like you're really getting your money's worth and to have that part be you know the third of your team where you're actually taking advantage of the cap it's really good to have you just hope that you know this new management group can kind of twist that into like making potentially like the defense or forwards be worth more than they're you know getting for their money right now but it's just with the with the money that they have put into some of these defensemen and I know we'll get to Tyler Myers a little bit later have a little conversation about him it's just like it is really good to take advantage of it and I think it's not as much of a risk as as you, sh- as some people might be worried about like 25 games of Spencer Martin doesn't really scare me that much for Canucks fans. Cause I think you're going to get, you're going to get at least NHL goaltending if he's able to build off what he did this season. And if he's really, really bad, then like you have a guy like Mikey DiPietro to try. Right. And then, and honestly, like if, if the backup goaltender is really bad and it's at the point where you need to even think about Mikey DiPietro, the season's likely over. Because you're going to need to get wins from your backup goaltender, and at that point, then you know Mikey DiPietro gets good experience at that point, and it's his time to shine. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the goaltending situation. And and I'm I'm with you; like they might have to go for another veteran guy out there in Abbotsford to think that you know Mikey's going to be the guy. You don't want Seelovs just getting one start every three weeks like he was this past year in Abbotsford. There was times where he went like a full month without a start, and I'm sorry, but like a 20 year old kid. Who the the organization is really high on shouldn't be getting one start a month. So he might have to go to the ECHL, and that shouldn't worry people. It's about him getting starts at that point. So I'm curious to see if they do bring in a guy, you know, in a similar spot to like you said with Spencer Martin. That could be really a big boost for the goaltending pipeline, which is already really strong for the Vancouver Canucks. They're saying
1: Eddie Lack is still out there. He's retired, I know, but they can lure him out. He's, you know, sell some houses, but maybe feed him <laughs> in Abbotsford.
3: Doesn't even need a big, like, a big cap. Here. Now he's got all this, like, Arizona money. Yeah, he's got real estate money now. Oh, he doesn't yeah. care, right? He just
1: bring him out. We have a couple games. It's just good. It's fine. He, used to, he played, came through there and played there with the Heat, back. so the Wolves, back in the day. Right. Right? So he, right. Chicago Wolves came through town, and they were chatting Eddie's name. That was fun times in the old days. Wow.
0: I forgot about
1: that. That is such a, again, one of the dumbest things. Like, you know what we should do? Put the
3: Calgary Farm Team in
1: Abbotsford.
3: <laughs> just, I wonder why it didn't work. Yeah. They're actually Moving back to Calgary, too. You guys see that? Yeah. Uh, Stockton yes. Heat, now moving back to the, be the Calgary Heat. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. Put Smart idea. Town, it works. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. We'll cut to break. On the other side, we'll get to our poll question, uh, and then we'll talk about JT Miller. Contract extension or trade him? We've talked about this every week, but there's a little bit it's more It's the off-season, to
3: add. baby. Every episode is going to be JT Miller. It'll just be a call like the JT Miller half hour here. A little
0: bit more to add about the extension. So keep it locked. Keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. All right, and that was another break just brought to you by Dead Air. Yeah, we lost
3: a uh, Parallel. It's <laughs> tough we're, times here. We an empty <laughs> hole in our lives. So if you
0: want to sponsor us, if you want to uh, work with us, shoot us a DM at ChrisFaber39 on Twitter, at Quadrelli on Twitter. Our poll question does have a sponsor, however. Our episode 266 poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com. Use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of pop rinds, the best Fresh pork rinds on the market, straight out of your air fryer or microwave, promo code CC15, locally owned company based out of Surrey. Go check them out, atlasgds.com, promo code
3: CC15. I got the house to myself tonight. Uh, girlfriend's going out chair shopping with her brother. They're going to Subway for dinner. So what am I doing? I think I'm going to try these uh, pork rind uh, nachos that we've heard about so much. Where you Are you really going to do think the nachos? Tonight, tonight might be the night to try it out. Okay, you. Uh, I'm not sure. Please I have, report back. Like I got shredded cheese in the fridge. I got the pop rinds. I think tonight might be the night. What more do you need, sir? What kind of chair are we shopping for? An office
1: chair. Okay, okay. Which yeah.
3: I have been in the market for one as well, but I kind of. My uh my drive to get one has slowed down ever since I got a chair that's just like cheap and works and does the trick, gets the job done. But you know maybe we get another beer sponsor back. Maybe Parallel comes crawling back to us, and I'll be sitting in a comfy chair pretty soon. Here, Favor, we heard you don't have a chair, so we're back. <laughs> yeah, that uh, if you're listening, Parallel Stables, st- are you out there? <laughs> I still love the chicken burger; it's still a very good burger. Parallel forty nine, but. Yeah, Atlas GDS is the people oh, who sponsor yeah, right. us. No free ads. Hey, I said I'm on the pork right. I'll I'll post a picture tonight of the uh, nachos and people will continue to look down on me for my food takes, so. <laughs>
0: yes, promo code CC15 at atlasgds.com. Our poll question today. Will JT Miller get an extension in Vancouver? 86% of people saying no, 11% say yes, and 3% say I'm angry. Well, oh, no. yeah, I'm JT angry. Miller. Crowd, That's J.T. Yeah. Miller signing that
1: one.
0: <laughs> 86% say no, guys. And to be honest, I'm among that 86%. My reasoning, every chance Jim Rutherford's had to speak publicly about J.T. Miller, he said, we have a number and we're not going to go over it. Okay, I'm sure J.T. Miller has a number that he's not going to go below. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say those two
3: numbers aren't going to be necessarily close. JT Miller has a number, and it's the amount of points that he put up this past year. And that number is not going to match up well with what Patrick Alvin or Jim Rutherford offers him, unfortunately. And like, listen, I think this we the way that we look at this and the way we've been talking about the JT Miller situation all offseason is that you would love to have JT Miller on your team. He's an excellent point producer, brings a lot of offense to your top six. You love him on your power play. And he's the type of piece that can really help you get to the next level in the playoffs. Unfortunately, the Canucks didn't make the playoffs this past year. And I don't think they're locks to make it next year either. The long-term chance of winning a Stanley cup for the Vancouver Canucks, the best move is getting assets for the future, with JT Miller. And, and if this was a different team that was like a little bit further down the road, I think you could consider it, but I don't think that the Vancouver Canucks are in a spot right now where taking on a player like JT Miller at eight, plus million dollars even. And I think $8 million might be a low end, like for JT Miller's camp especially. To me, that's like the highest the Vancouver Canucks could go would be like $8 million flat. And that would be on something like a five- to six-year deal. And to even say that out loud, I don't think that the JT Miller even you know continues the phone call if you get, well, we'll give you 7.5 at five years. The, the guy just put up 99 points. Like, why would his agent even consider that deal? I just don't think that there's a number that you know and we don't know the number that Jim Rutherford's talking about but i just have a feeling that it's not even close to what the agents thinking
1: yeah i mean JT Miller clearly isn't a hundred point player. He didn't get it, so he didn't deserve the money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> talk him down. Yeah, uh, I do think like with JT Miller, obviously, if Jim, if Jim Benning was still around, he'd get signed to a max deal. Um, I just because mm. Jim Benning would go, I'm like, oh my god, I'm going in. I know if Bruce Boudreau was doing the contracts, he would have him signed to a million years. He loves him, <laughs> loves him. And again, like he's, I love watching him play. I love writing about him. I love his f bombs. He's uh, super fun. Um, and again, this is where we're getting, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk here. Just slow down with me. Canucks are in Colorado, don't get me wrong. But there was a time when Duchesne and McKinnon coexisted and then Duchesne left and it was like, oh, they just lost a big name player. Oh, well, it's going to hurt the team. McKinnon kind of rose up. Uh, and he always was, but like, there's a, a, something to be said about like, say a guy leaves, let some players step up. And I think like, this is a thing where like, it is, it's tough for us to know the room, but it feels like JT Miller has a big presence, right? He's got a big presence on this team. I think Elias Patterson is ready to kind of step up a bit mm. and i think if, if miller were like i i think the team would love to have him but if he prices himself out because he why wouldn't he it's his, the best year he's ever had like he's going to want to cash in he has no reason to give a hometown discount whatsoever this team's not in a position to add one more piece to win the cup it's not like you know kessler suggests like take less see it's not what's happening so fine price yourself out but then that's a time for elias patterson who can kind of come up and i think i would really be intrigued to see what he does with that does he kind of step up in the room a bit does he kind of like take that upon himself like i think he's a guy that challenges himself no one's harder on himself than elias patterson uh, I know the injuries affected him and everyone was kind of banging on him, but like end of the season, he was their best player. Miller retired out, if anything. Again, they used him a lot, no offense, and he was hurt. But like Patterson, I think, is a guy that like if Miller leaves, that's the guy I'm looking at to see what happens. He, like, he steps up and gets even better and better. Because Pedersen right now, really good player. I think we're all kind of waiting to see if he's that elite, elite level player right now. And I think he has it in him, and I think that's something that kind of like that situation almost forces him to kind of step up even more. And I think he would he would welcome like he obviously wants to play with great players, but I think he would welcome the challenge to be the man. On yeah,
0: this team. I, I think that's a really good point. Just what we know about Elias Patterson, what we know about Elias Patterson's attitude, the way he carries himself. I think that's a really good point, Wyatt. uh Rick Dollywall tweeted this out because uh, Jim Rutherford spoke on Donnie and Dolly, the team, on check today, and he said, Jim Rutherford on re-signing G.T. Miller, that is the goal. We will see where it goes. He has a lot of good hockey left in him. We are in a tough ca- situation cap-wise. We're trying to untangle that. We have a projected cap hit number for him. Canucks aren't going to go below that. Like they're not going to go changing their ways. Right. And over it is what I meant to say, but JT Miller's not going below his number. And that's where the problem is going to arise. Right. And like you just said, why, when it comes to, you know, the locker room and, and what JT Miller represents to this team, losing him, you're hoping that someone steps up and fills it. It's not going to be a, okay, we lost JT Miller. Woe is me. This we're in a rebuild again. That's not what the mentality is going to be in the room. It's going to be a, okay, next man up. Right. and, I think that's a good thing for this team, ultimately, especially no one, when you consider the assets you're
3: getting back in any trade. Yeah, that's the big thing. Is like the the players should recognize what they're getting back in return. You know, if you're thinking of like a point of view from Elias Pettersson, like maybe they get that right D prospect for Quinn Hughes for the next six years in that deal. You think Pettersson is going to be excited about that and say, "Hey, you know what? We did sacrifice, you know, a player that obviously brings a lot to the forward group, but we found a really good solution for what our all-star defenseman needs really bad. I'll step up now and be the forward. Like it is a really good thing to bring up and, and to look at it from another point of view from management, like, so coming in now with Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford, I think, you know, it's funny. Like we talk about Jim Rutherford making a lot of decisions. I, I do think he is making, I don't know if making, he probably is. He's probably making the final call on a lot of things actually at the spot right now. I don't know for sure how that kind of works out between him and Alvin. but I think his suggestions would be taken, uh, taken deeply into the consideration between like Alvin and the rest of the management group. I just think that there's no like tie anymore to yes, but the Canucks gave up, you know, all this asset to get JT Miller. They didn't trade for JT Miller. So there's no pressure at all in that point of view to like keep him. Like there might've been with Benning and his regime where it's like, yeah, but we gave out this first for them. And like, just to get a little bit more back in return, wouldn't be the greatest thing. Like there's no pressure in there at all to kind of trade Miller at this point. And I look at it as like the other players and, you know, would kind of understand what the situation would be at this point. I think some people worry that, like, oh, but what what's Pedersen and what's Hughes going to think when, when you know when their contracts are up and they haven't won anything? Like, what's Pedersen thinking at the end of his bridge deal if the Canucks haven't gotten to the third round of the playoffs at this point? But it's like y- you kind of have to understand that, like, things weren't set up for a great like start to their career. With the way the management put players around them, unfortunately. And like, I think that they understand that as well. That now that they've been in the league for a couple of years, to me, it's look, you have to look at Pedersen a little bit different when he was on an ELC to now making, you know, $7 million. Like, there's a different look and there's a different understanding from him when he's that type of player than he was on the ELC. And yes, you would have loved to take advantage of Pedersen and Hughes on their ELCs, but now you need to look towards like, finding other players that you can take advantage of them on their, not take advantage of them, but you know, like take advantage of the ELC contracts, right? Like take advantage of pod Colson making under a million dollars for the next two more years. Huglander have for one more year at that thing. And then like the prospects coming in from this trade should be more examples of that. I just think that these, these young players in the young core of the Canucks will understand how they're going to be able to get more competitive and kind of just understand that these guys on ELCs, if you can get high draft picks, if you can get good prospects that come in, They can make a huge difference this team moving forward, and J T. Miller, he's going to bring back an absolute haul, man. Like the trade is going to be something that like we've never seen come to Vancouver, like a single trade for one player. Like J T. Miller will likely set the bar for what you can see as like a big return coming back to the Vancouver Canucks organization.
0: And I just want to point out the what do you got? Why I disagree with you, man. Which one
1: in terms of
3: it's. Whenever you trade like a
1: big star, the returns always seem to kind of not be what you think they're going to be. That's my only concern. It's, it's a tough trade to make, right? Like, it's not often you see a hockey trade where it's like the Heatley for wholesome moments, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're not really going to be able to drop like, oh, we're going to get Miller, we're going to get like a 24-year-old right D-man that's already a stud. That's almost impossible because that team wants to win. They're not going to give a, a core piece of that. And you're right. They try and get the prospects first, and I would love to be completely wrong, but I always worry that like, yeah, they're not going to get that return you think they're going to get. And you're like, oh, that's what they got. They got like a middling prospect. And like so end of the day, like it almost seems like you're going to pray that they either get that top prospect they want or a first rounder. And I think the idea out there is sometimes people are like, you're going to get a first rounder, you're going to get a top prospect, then a middle prospect. I'm like, ah, it, just, it doesn't historically seem to work out that way. But again, this is Rutherford. It's a different GM, but... I am really concerned that, like, that that's a big pressure move because like Jake Miller is beloved in this market by a lot of people. He has like that season. We haven't seen that like what his top five Canucks of all time. Like he's yeah. put up, right. He's with the McGillies, the Berets, like it was fantastic to watch. Whatever deal they make is going to be scrutinized. And it's going to be one of the ones that like, you know, it's not always not going to make a break. And like, you know, Rutherford's not going like, to quit. Like, oh, I quit now and everyone hates me. <laughs> but like, it is going to be one of the first heavily scrutinized because that was the honeymoon season moves that they're going to make. And I'm super intrigued by it. But like, it's just, it's, that's such a tough trade to navigate. I don't know if it's going to be like that home run that everyone wants it to be.
3: I think the idea that I'm looking at is like, and I, I honestly was in this camp, like, and I remember getting like called out so wrong for the stuff that I said on this podcast about like really underestimating the deal. And maybe I'm just like taking into too much of these people, like reporting these deals and telling me what like industry people are saying and all this stuff. But from the sounds of it, the, the deal that they turned down from the Rangers like, that to me, like, if you would have told me that five months ago, I would be like, that's a good deal. Like, that's that's a really good deal. You're getting a first-round pick. You're getting a right-shot defenseman who could make sense for the Canucks. You're getting another roster player and a draft pick. Like, I, I thought that that was a really good deal. I think the more and more I've looked and thought about getting JT Miller at one year at $5 million, that's a big difference as well. That's a lot different than I think looking at players that are traded at the deadline like I do think that offseason trades have the the ability to get that huge haul and that's kind of what I'm leaning on at this point but it, but like I get what you're saying And I think the thing that I that I think a lot of us might be more, like getting misled by might just be like this is what we're hearing from industry insiders and you hear that like the return has to be huge and I do think it is like I still think that they're going to get it needs to be like a first round pick and needs to be a right D prospect I think you have the options uh, in LA and it's not like these right D prospects that you're getting None of them is going to be, you know, the next Drew Doughty in his prime right off the bat. I think what you're hoping for is that it's a guy that makes sense with Quinn Hughes, because that's the biggest thing for me that you need to get back in a JT Miller trade. It's not about, you know, picks to me. It's really about like using this leverage of JT Miller to draft the right D that's gonna play with Quinn Hughes for the remainder of his contract. Like that is the big thing that needs to happen. And I still think that you're going to get a really good haul. Like, I do think it is going to be that prospect. It's going to be a first. It's going to be another roster player. Like, I know it sounds like an NBA trade the way that I'm talking about it, but, like, I, I think JT Miller has that type of value, especially with one year at $5 million. I love him, too. Is that too
1: They're going to love it, like his gumption, the fact mm. like he swear like that. And I love it, too. It's fun to watch. And, hey, to be fair, the Canucks did, you know, the Bury trade was – know wasn't loved at the time but the game drove an and that yeah. return is huge for them that became a huge staple of defense and it can't happen I'm just I just want to be a bit cynical give you a bit of yeah, pushback I don't sure, you know what you are running the show just thinking you can do whatever
3: you want <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I also like from your point of view or your your idea of that is like this could let down Canucks fans a lot because maybe all of our expectations are so high of the trade that this is also the biggest move that that mm-hmm. Not only like Rutherford's going to make in like his first year, but like this is also like how the future of the franchise is going because of what they decide here. Yep. Yeah. So if this does become a letdown for a lot of Canucks fans, it might be like, you know, it might be the time where it's like, yeah, that doesn't look great. But you're going to have to give it like a year or two to really start to see how the prospects develop, what they do with the draft picks. It's just to me like I, I can't see it being... Like yeah, it just I don't even want to think about it. Like not well, like well, appeasing hey, me for what I think the return should be for for Miller. I talked to the
0: industry contact that I talked to for that story, and they made a really good point. This was something that was included in the article, but like he said, you know, <laughs> that first round pick that you get can still become a bust. It's very possible. He's like, look at the first round of any draft. There are a good amount of busts, and. A lot of times... Especially
3: playoff teams that are picking like yeah. 26 20 to up. 30. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if
0: you're in the mid to late, like you don't know that that's going to be an impact player. You have no way of knowing that for sure. You you might have a good guess. You might believe your scouting, sca- scouting staff has a good idea of it, but there's no way to know for sure. What you do know for sure is that you're going to get JT Miller competing next year if he's here. And if you extend him, you're going to get JT Miller competing for at least another three, maybe even four more years, maybe more beyond that. Who knows? But there's more certainty in extending G.T. Miller, obviously. And I think that's the point where the Canucks need to minimize the risk to a point where they know they're not taking the safest option, right? But they need to make that option that we're calling unsafe as safe as possible. And the way to do that is by adding more assets, right? And, you know, adding a second-round pick, you know, picking up a Braden Schneider, a guy who you've seen play third-pair minutes and do an exceptional job of it at the NHL level, Right? That's something that's that the Canucks are considering for sure. Is we need to make this as as least risky as possible.
3: Yeah, I think that there's so many teams around the league though that now are going to be involved. I think that might be another point where it's like the the expectation for the return should be pretty high because now I feel like there's at at like at the deadline I thought it was going to be a, I thought that's when Miller was going to get dealt because it's like you get him for two playoff runs at five million dollar cap hit that's huge to me. I thought that was like a huge difference, but what I think might be the way that Canucks management is looking at this is that there's now so many more teams willing to trade for JT Miller now that we're in the off season like i think we we've kind of touched on it off air but like is is Philadelphia going to be a team that wants to get involved now a team that like you know obviously wasn't buying at the deadline uh, are the penguins going to be looking for something different obviously the panthers got swept i mean they have to be happy with their regular season but as a whole but the panthers are like what the hell like what the hell? we came into the playoffs and thought we were gonna be this really good team. What are we missing? Are we missing a JT Miller? Is that the type of player that makes sense for us? Like, I think now that there's so many different teams involved, it does, you know, people call it a bidding war, but it just kind of creates a situation where you can leverage other teams to battle, to, you know, to to look at trade options for other teams. So I think that this offseason, like, even that might be the reason why this reported deal from the from the Rangers that was reported by Sat Shaw, I think, on 650, was it? Reported by him that Maybe that's why they said no, because they knew that there was going to be this many more teams interested in Miller for this, this season coming up here.
0: I think it came down to not only that, but also we're probably going to get the exact same offer in the offseason, right? If you're the Canucks, that's probably what they're thinking is we're going to get this in the offseason anyway. So we don't need to trade our leading scorer when we're still in a playoff hunt. And that's where the Canucks were uh, when that offer was made in January.
1: That's the thing, like, uh, you know, maybe the Rangers now feel like even more bold that they're like one step away now. And like, oh, we were missing a bit of the the gumption, that scoring that Miller can provide. And maybe they're willing to give up some of their futures just to make that happen. So, yeah, definitely the playing field can open up in the offseason. And that's where obviously Canucks fans are going to hope it goes. It's just one of those things where I'm sitting there going like, man, like, again, I I, Rutherford, he's been on a long time. I, I trust him. And for all we know he's just playing hardball with Miller and still wants to sign him and everything points to making no sense for him to stay, but we don't know. We have no idea. Maybe they're all playing a really good game of chess and we're just sitting here not knowing what's going on. But I do agree that in terms of like the thing that, This franchise needs, and I think we've all been saying it for years, is they got to rebuild that defense, man. Like Mm -hmm. the the patchwork of like, hey, Tyler Myers had a good stretch, it doesn't work. Even look at Calgary, we're talking about like Calgary, like their defense. You're like, oh, that defense, is probably isn't going to win a cup. Like you just start wondering, like you that mobile defense is so huge. Look at Colorado, like oh my god, the the amount of riches they have on their back end, like you know, it's just like they lose like Gerard to a huge injury, and all of a sudden, like if that happened to the Canucks with Quinn Hughes, we've seen it. They they've got nothing. They're done without Quinn Hughes. They have nothing. This team is awful, and. Carlo can can accept that because they have so much depth on the the back end. And that's what Vancouver's got to aim for. And that's what I hope Rutherford wants to get like a faster team and get more defense because mobile defense, man, is such a huge, even so like look at Chris Letang, man, still like such a great player for Pittsburgh. Like you need that smart mobility player. And there was a reason why like a year in his career, like a lot of her saying, I was specifically like Quinn Hughes, man, he's the Canucks best fenceman all time. And I'm like, Oh, that's a lot of hyperbole. No, we've never seen a player like him here and like you can bag on his defense if you're dumb, if you want, but he doesn't need to play defense when he's got the puck. All the time, Yeah. and I understand like how. Hey, who likes Luke Shen more than me? No one. There's room for hitting in the game. I love the way he plays, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I want all the Quinn Hughes in the world over Luke Shen's because like they're going to make those plays. And I, I, you know, get your guys that can bang and stuff, and the big guys that can uh, have the the puck skill and can hit and are big. Like those are the top two defense in the league. It's hard to find. So give me the Quinn Hughes, give me the mobility, give me all the skill in the back end because uh, that's what the Canucks need. And J T. Miller is like your best chance again. You can talk about Brock Bester deal all you want, but like for a guy, if you want, because again. Every team wants a right-hand D-man mm-hmm. that has that skill. That's not an easy asset to acquire. But people also love JT Miller. So that's the guy. you got to give something to get something, and that's the guy that can get it done. So I think that's why when people go like, why would you want to trade JT Miller? It's like, well, I mean, there's a pricing contract part of it. And there's the fact that like, if you're going to rebuild the team in a major way, like, that's the, the, the clear spot. Piece. That's the guy. Like That's the guy to get it done.
3: Yeah, massively. I think like... <laughs> We all love JT Miller. Like, yeah. That's a thing that's so strange. I find it interesting, like the crowd, especially seeing the answers of this poll, maybe you can quickly check the updated results of it. Maybe it's just some early one, but there's such to me like a loud voice on, on social media about, and even in our comment section at Canucks Army and stuff, like there's a lot of really loud people arguing against the Canucks trading JT Miller, like keep JT Miller. We see that, you know, the Facebook uncles, they love it. They're all about keeping JT Miller as much as possible. And then there's a lot of people that, you know, I think are pretty smart people on Twitter as well that want to keep JT Miller in situations. But what's the poll at right now for like what the people are actually thinking if JT Miller gets an extension or not. 125
0: votes right now. 85% saying no. 11% saying yes. And the only thing that's changed 4% are saying they're angry. So
3: the, the angry crowd's woken up. This 1% about extra now. Yeah. JT yeah. Miller's getting his agents <laughs> a lot to chime in. No, I, I mean, looking at that percentage, like 85% of people don't think it's going to happen it's because I think 85% of people are looking at the trade value in return. Nobody's looking at losing JT Miller. Everyone's looking at what is coming back for JT Miller as they should, because that's going to be the thing that helps this team get closer to a Stanley cup in my eyes. Just the way that this team is, is at in their stage of, I don't even want to call it a rebuild because I don't think they're in a rebuild right now, but there are things, there are a lot of changes that need to happen. You don't need to rebuild this thing from the ground up, but there's definitely some areas that need to be completely reconstructed for sure. And I think he starts with the defense, and I think you can start with trading JT Miller for you know a defenseman, a draft pick that you can spend on a defenseman, because in my eyes, and I've said this on previous episodes, the number one thing the Canucks need to do is actually two things, and to me it's have two potential guys that could play with Quinn Hughes. Like, not just finding Quinn Hughes' partner because maybe that guy doesn't work out. Maybe Braden Schneider isn't the right guy to play with Quinn Hughes. Maybe there's no chemistry to them at all. The Canucks need to have some options at right D to play with them, and I think they need to spend some high picks on that, this draft, to be something down the road for Quinn Hughes. But also, if you can acquire, you know, whether it be, like, a, a Brock Faber, a Helga Grands, these guys out of L.A. that they have so many right D prospects. Like, Drew Hellison was traded to the, the Anaheim Ducks. That was an example of a guy from, from Colorado who's a good example. And, like, there are all these, like, bigger right D guys that you know can play with Quinn Hughes. The thing that you want is just like a big right D who can move the puck just a little bit. He doesn't have to be a primary puck mover. Quinn Hughes has that absolutely covered. This other guy just needs to be like Luke Shen, but you know, a little bit better hands like like Luke Shen can be daddy to a lot of people. Okay, he doesn't have to he's just be Quinn Hughes's daddy. daddy. Yeah, he can be Jack Rathbone's daddy. He can be Travis Dermott's daddy like this. Luke Shen can play on a third pairing and still be like really effective. He just doesn't have to play like 16 minutes of five on five per night anymore. Now he's only playing 10 and he can be, you know, even more, get more Shen to throw around for everyone. I think that's what everybody wants. That's if you,
1: if you think of an offseason, that would be like, a, you know, I don't say perfect, but like a really nice offseason. If they, you know, say they trade J.T. Miller and let's go like all out, they get a first, they get that right deep prospect, and they get another couple of draft picks for for Beach to cook with, mm-hmm. and then let's say they find a way to move off of tyler myers contractor oel whoever's more you know attainable for another team to want to take it on like that already is like such a huge massive step forward for this team in terms of like a long-term success like that is the perfect scenario for me and like we've heard you know all we can do is kind of pick up the crumbs that that you know rutherford puts out there alvin obviously is a lot tighter to the vest (laughs) like i can give (laughs) anything johnny tight lips doesn't say much but it does feel like they are like hey like they saw this team and they they were very upfront about how like they didn't believe in the boudreaux bump and you know i'm glad boudreaux believes in himself he should but like their job as general manager and is running is to like see what they think is actually real. And I really do think, yeah, they, they've got to find a way to get that cap down and they got to. in this team. Like we've talked about forever, but OEL and Myers, like that's not, it's not going to be good for this team to have it around. And I I love Todd Myers for the chaos. He's great content for my armies. I love watching him play, but When you're sitting there watching that guy going, man, this guy could be a really good forward and like be kind of serious. Like that's an issue with your team, right? (laughs) Like that's the thing. Like you look at all the underlying numbers say that he's, he struggles in his own zone. And if you watch in the eye test, he struggles in his own zone. And that's, you know, what did they talk about though? Their exits, their, their zone exits weren't great. And a lot of part of that is because Tyler Myers is playing a lot of minutes and that's not really his game. Like he's, he's, I think it honestly comes to his belief in himself. Like he never like gets too down on himself and he thinks like gap control. Who cares? I got this. I got a long (laughs) stick. Like there's something about him. Like he's always so nonplussed about everything where I'm like, I, I, that's why I like what Troy Stetcher like he if he had made a mistake it would eat him alive I just feel like like that that Charlie Myers is like what are you gonna do which is f- fine but like he's never really like raised his level still tall he's, <laughs> he's still a tall, tall guy he's like I'm tall I'm good and
3: it's well, like, <laughs> why we we chat about it so much and now that we you know have you in studio here for the episode like where where is your confidence level knowing that Jim Rutherford is the president Patrick Alvine is the general manager manager and we've seen a management group really come together that is very different looking than we see around the rest of the NHL. And it feels like it's a step in the right direction uh, to see this team be kind of progressive and how they're filling other team. What's your confidence level, just kind of in the upper management now with the Canucks.
1: That's the thing that was always with the, the Mike Gillis and the Lawrence Gilman era. Like, people kind of harped on, like, oh, i got to let them go. And it wasn't that I, like, you know, I loved Mike Gillis. I, I love Gilman. But, like, it's all, I didn't love the idea of them. It's just, I like their approach. I'm like, okay, I like they're trying to do analytics. They're trying to get any edge. Like, again, I'll talk about it all day how it was so bizarre that people made fun of them for sleep doctors. Like, why would you make fun of them for trying to get an edge? Like, would it cost him nothing to do that? And, like, yeah. oh, idiots. And now people are doing it everywhere. It's like, well, look, <laughs> look at that. So I'd rather have people trying to find any edge. And that's kind of like the whole thing with baseball. All of a sudden, like you know, Getting on base was a huge thing, and they got mocked for it. It's like instead of dingers, like well, no, if you can find any edge, the inefficiencies in the market, you you take it. And so, like, it's great that they're kind of kind of going that approach. So, like, I have confidence that like, you know, even just from the fact that they're a new club or sorry, new management, they're going to want their own guys in here, and I think they're going to come in. They're going to see, yeah. I don't think Myers is their guy at all. I think they see what he is. Like, you know, I'm sure Boudreaux likes certain players. And that's why it's that it's the whole weird conversation of like, is Boudreaux their guy? There's a weird, that, that's still a bit of a weird feeling between their coach and their management. But overall, like you, you sit there watching going like, sure, maybe Boudreaux is a uh, stopgap. Maybe there was a PR behind it. Cause like that's tough to move on from after that season they had. And there are a large chunk of people out there who are like, keep JT Miller. The Canucks we saw under Boudreaux are the real Canucks. It was Green and, you know, or Benning who tanked the team. Like, give them one whole season. They're going to be fine. There are people who believe that. I don't agree, but hey, enjoy it. And maybe you're right. But I think this management does see a team that has a lot of issues on defense. They bring up the zone exits on purpose. You know, leaning on your goalie too much is an issue. We saw it with the Markstrom. We've seen it with Demko. Demko broke and busted by the end of the season. Like, they've got to find, as Faber points out, uh, make nights easier. Demco, make nights yeah. easier on their goalies because like as you said some people don't realize like in net you're making like 100 hypothetical saves yeah on bad nights right like you're doing everything you're moving around the old days Turpel claim to sit in his arm in the net and like, everyone all <laughs> stacks and pads yeah, no like- completely different game back then man the way they're
0: moving now, like goaltenders, and you even brought it up, Chris, the post-integration. You watched Thatcher Demko on a, on a puck that rings around the boards. He's still acting as if the, Connor McDavid's behind the net with the puck when that's happening. And the reason is that you never know if it takes a weird bounce off the glass. Dr. is not going to get caught surprised by that because he's treating everything like it's a dangerous
3: opportunity, right? But when you do
1: that, you're dropping down. Same Mike's name. Same same Mike's name.
3: (laughs) It's kind of like, you know, when Tyler Myers is skating in front of you with the puck, you got to be ready to make a save. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that treats you pretty quick. The thing that's funny though, too, is like you can kind of notice it. And this is something that I've just noticed with Demko is like, maybe this is an Ian Clark thing, but there is times where like you see other goaltenders around the league. And when their defenseman skating out, they are relaxed. Like, Thatcher Demko is always, like, ready to make a save. And maybe that's just from playing in Vancouver. <laughs> he saw the one hand
0: use Luongo clip. Yeah,
3: <laughs> but, like, it, it is interesting to watch. And, and you mentioned it. Like, yeah, that you have to be locked in for 60 minutes as a goaltender under this system, especially with the Vancouver Canucks. And, like, let's let's think of, like, the playoff games that, that Demko played. Like, he was, wasn't there, there was a game against Vegas where he faced 100 shot attempts against? Like, that, those nights are going to happen here against this Canucks even until they start to really change things. And, yeah, like, the goaltending, we think that – you know, a Markstrom has a lot of wear and tear on him. He's an older guy. Like you want Demko to be strong throughout these five years of this contract, especially, and hopefully longer. Right. So I think you want to kind of do things around this team to really build around him, who to me, like, I don't think he's the most important player on the roster, but on a night to night basis, he's the most important guy in getting you a win on this Canucks team. So like you want to be able to protect that and keep that going as long as possible with him.
0: So why I'll ask you before we move on to prospects report with Chris Tyler Myers. If you can find a trade option for him this off season, are you moving on from Tyler Myers? Is it time?
1: Oh, hundred percent. again, like I, I enjoy watching him play hockey because he is chaotic. And but like for a winning team. Asking him to be like a guy that's eating up 25 minutes. That's, that's, it's, it's too much, man. Like that's a lot. If you're on a, you know, a bottom feeding team, I guess that sure, like you put him out there and he can have stretches where he looks, you always tell yourself that's kind of why he's around. Like, oh, that was a good stretch from Tyler Myers. You really put together like he's chased that rookie year in Buffalo and he looked okay. And like there's some stout defenders of him who like his size and think he's doing great. But for me, it is like he just seems very, you know, that's a reactive out there. There's times when like, you know, he's tough, but it's mostly retaliatory. Like his head kind of, he gets really mad. Sometimes he will take those <laughs> crushing penalties and hits. And like, again, like that's what the thing Like, defenseman that hit like you can pay low dollar on luke shen he throws yeah. hits and they're smart hits he's not chasing them yeah. he just plays a physical game he comes to his is his team's defense but not like you know taking over the top he's just there he's just a solid guy and and that's great and with Tyler myers you know he's not really a physical guy he's tall like his strength comes into play like american Malik did like you know natural size comes into play don't get me wrong but overall like just the, his his iq and his own zone has been a problem his entire career that's not going anywhere anytime soon so and it's only getting worse as his, his skills diminish with age so it's like yeah who doesn't love big tall mobile defensemen but like we joke about it all the time power play two net front presence like that shouldn't be a big a real talking point but it is because like, that feels like where he's more effective like he is like offensively it's a lot of fun to watch he has those four and though he's swashbuckles in the zone but how many times do we see him going for a pinch out of nowhere that costs him like a turnover the other way right like that's a lot to ask and OEL, i'm sure patrick out there on Twitter is gonna love it like oh i think to a certain point has to like when you play with myers like you're in a certain role like yeah. you you know myers is like chaos you're like okay well you know i got to stay back and that was kind of the thing with jovo back in the day like you give him like a scotland chance or malik and that works to an extent like fine let him go but like Jovo was a really effective scorer Was a better player. And with Myers, like if he's not putting the points, all of a sudden he's just hurting you. And then if you're like now limiting, you're asking OEL to like cover for Myers, like all of a sudden that OEL is not playing as well. It's like, you are it's, just a, it's a, it, you shouldn't have to ask someone to babysit that guy's getting paid that much. Yeah. That's my end point. Right. And that, yeah. that's a lot to ask. And so I think if you can move on from you do it,
0: that's a really good point. You don't have to, you don't want to have to have a babysitter for those kids because it gets expensive. Yeah. Like that, that's the fact of the matter is it gets expensive. Do you have think anything the, the, to add on that? Chris?
3: Yeah. The tough thing is, is like, it's weird. Cause like, let's say Tyler Myers was playing for the Columbus blue jackets and you know, we weren't watching him in banker. Say he signed a deal in free agency with, with Columbus. Like right now people would be like probably thinking like, Oh, Hey, you know, you know, who might be a good guy to maybe play with Quinn Hughes. Let's maybe trade for Tyler Myers. Right. Like, unless you actually started to probably look at things, you would think like six, seven defensemen, big, strong. This is a good guy to play with Quinn Hughes because, yeah, he's got the body of a guy that you'd like to see play with Quinn Hughes. Like, you know, I've stood beside the guy's huge. Like, and I feel like I'm a pretty big guy. But like, I just think that, yeah, like uh, the Canucks to rebuild their defense, that is the first thing. Because unfortunately, like you're not you're just not going to be able to move. Oh, Like he's got a no move clause. Yeah. Make like seven million dollars no matter what you like retain on there, I don't think that there's a deal you can kind of get done uh, with OEL going anywhere. So I think Myers is the guy that you're going to have to end up moving this offseason If you really want to change the defense or you know what, if they can move them, then they have to come back with the same defense. And unfortunately I think we saw it last year that it just wasn't good enough. And not only from the point of view of like not making the playoffs, but Jim Rutherford coming out and saying that they were maybe one of the worst teams in the league at breakouts. That says something about the defense core. That says something about your top four who's getting all those minutes. That says a lot about Tyler Myers to me in that point of view. So like, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what his value is back for me. Like I, I, I think I was said it a lot before the season. I think this is might this might've changed, but last year in the off season, I was saying Tyler Myers is a negative asset. I don't, I don't know if he's a negative value asset anymore. Like I, I wonder what the Canucks would get in a return. I, I just don't know. Like, I don't know what the the talk is around the NHL around Tyler Myers, but I'm super, I'd be super curious to see what any sort of trade looks like for Myers. Like if in my eyes, if a team's like, Hey, we'll give you a fourth round pick for Tyler Myers. I'm like, yeah, the Canucks should do that. Like but I think some people would think that, like, no, why would you give up Myers for just like a fourth round? Why would you give Myers up for the hundredth pick in the draft? To me that makes sense because of the money. But I know quads, you're a big Myers supporter, so like you know, that I, seems I actually ridiculous. am
0: almost on board with you because you're purchasing cap space, right? And for a team that wants cap space so badly and is vowing that not only are they gonna get that cap space, they're gonna do things to improve the team with it. You need to make a trade like that, right? That's just where you're at. And, and to your point of, I don't know what Myers would go for, if a team in the league is willing to trade a third-round pick for Travis Hammonick, you can move Tyler Myers for a
3: fourth, for sure. For sure. Skill-wise, yeah, but like in a cap world, I don't know. Because yeah, the thing that we're talking like about... You if we have to were-
0: remember, this is, sorry to cut you off, but this is a guy who can play top pair in the eyes of a team that's acquiring him, right? Like They're acquiring Tyler Myers to be a big right-handed defenseman who can play not only on their power play, but their penalty kill. Like, on paper, Tyler
3: Myers looks awesome. Oh, yeah, he does. Like, if you just look at minutes and, like, size and everything, yeah, for sure. There's a reason
0: why in, you know, if you're playing NHL 22 or any of those games, you always go get Tyler Myers because he's huge and he can hit really well. He looks awesome on paper. So, for a team acquiring, like, you know, they're not going to pay for a top two defenseman. They know, like, it's no, no secret that Tyler Myers shouldn't you know, be given those minutes, but a team acquiring him knows that he's capable of doing it if he needs to. Right. Because, you know, that's where he's been with the Canucks is playing in that top pair role. So, you know, there's going to be a market for Tyler Myers. I think this off season based on everything we're
1: hearing and just based
0: on the season he had, I think there's a chance he's moved.
1: It just tastes like one hockey man who loves yeah. that pedigree to Good. Yeah, exactly. like, Branson had a hockey pedigree for like that valued his career until like he was twenty seven. Like it is just something about that. And I've talked about it on my other podcast throughout the process that like there's is that something nineteen
3: and a half years later. Nine and a half years
1: later the movies <laughs> talk about it as well. Uh there's something about uh the like Hockey just is like a step behind and like not giving up on on these first rounders and stuff. And like the NBA can move on and like Markel Fultz <laughs> get out of here, see you later. Like they move on so much quicker. NFL, move on. NHL is like, whoa, this guy used to be a first rounder. We've got like anything. Yeah. Even Bristol is gonna have a career for the rest of his life, just because like you first rounder. If you're a first rounder, uh and you're a big tall D-man, especially, and, and if you happen to be handsome as well, throw it in there. Like you just have so much like leeway. And right league. side too. Yeah, right like, side right as, right as well. Yeah. So
3: important. Like we talked we talked about it earlier about it being so important in yep. position. It's Myers has two years left at $6 million. I just think that you mentioned it quads like, yeah, it doesn't feel like you're getting a lot back when you just see like a trade of like Myers for a fourth. But like, is it, is it similar to like, think of like what Nate Schmidt was coming back Like, I feel like Nate Schmidt's a better player. You would have thought in the trade than what you're getting for Tyler Myers on your back end. But like at the time I think Canucks fans were like, wow, we just had to give up a third to get Nate Schmidt. I think that you, you guys are kind of onto something where it's like another team would be like, Oh wow, look, we only had to give up a third to get this Tyler Myers guy. Yep, not well, exactly. A
1: team who can put him like say they put him in the second uh, defensive unit for them, and they give him like just twenty minutes. Like I'm, mean, you could probably get a good couple of years left probably of them, right? Yeah, get parent like yeah, you have to babysit him. I don't think that's great for the Canucks to have to do that, but another team has like say they have a more established defense unit. Like, look at Gabranston in Calgary. He was he was honestly terrible in Vancouver. He's been terrible around like, auto. But, like, in Calgary, he he was decently used, and it worked okay. Like, if you can get Myers in there and, like, not have him eat up all those minutes, I bet you he could be okay. And then you'd have people like, see, he was great all along. No, it's more about how you utilize him. And exactly. I think you could utilize Myers in a much better way. I just think asking him to be a top guy, uh, especially on a team that struggles in their own zone, that's just way too much to ask of him.
0: Yeah, and that's the way I always kind of look at it. Because, you know, I, I, this is a it's seemingly never-ending debate I've had with countless people in the various hockey group chats I'm in but like there's people that look at it and say Troy Stetcher's a better defenseman at his core than Tyler Myers. If you can have either of them at one million dollars one year taking Stetcher. I, I'm not in that camp. I think if you're I mean, putting both of those guys in the same camp, like Stetcher alerts from his mistakes. mistakes. He's, he's a jam up guy. If you're putting them in the same role he's from Richmond. I, he's from I, Richmond I, I if you're putting them in the same role, I think it's Myers seven seven days out of the week. Like Myers doesn't even know where
1: Breakhouse is. Stetcher does. I just don't think <laughs> Uh I mean yeah, I mean there's uh We're not gonna rehash this debate. That wasn't <laughs> yeah. my point. My point was just about
0: role and how yeah. it affects people. And you know, Troy Setcher, bottom pairing defenseman, does well. And you know, if he needs to step up in a top four role, he's been fine. But if Tyler Myers is playing in a bottom pairing role, you're you're like, what are we paying this guy for? You know what I mean? So different different players, different roles, but I think, you know, just when it comes to what a player's worth is and it depends how they're being used, right? Like, if Eric Branson yeah. is playing top pair in Calgary, it's a tire fire. And he's looking horrible and Calgary's not making the playoffs.
1: That's what the Canucks tried and it didn't work out. What's a Branson thought? Like he himself, like you can see, like he, when he was first here, he was surly buddy. He's like, I'm not being used properly. And then out of nowhere, they signed him to that extension because Jim Benning's to Jim Benning. And then all of a sudden Green told him, yeah, I'll give you more 12 per minute. He's like, yeah, that's what I deserve. And he couldn't handle it. So yeah. I think now he realizes, oh man, my career is almost done. And I was just, like, same thing with Luke Shannon. Like you can either, you know, think you're the best or learn and adapt. And I think who Branson to his credit has adapted yep. and now knows that, Hey man, if I can carve out a career in the bottom pairing. I'll take it. Well, yeah, it's exactly. a lot better in
3: Calgary than it is in KHL, yeah. right? Like, and you have to kind of realize that mm-hmm. for certain players. And Shen did that too. Like, Shen's a perfect example of a guy who understands his role. Like, you know, he went off and won two Stanley Cups at a six-seven role, or more like a seven-eight role, like on that team. Like, he wasn't in the starting lineup for most nights for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But yeah, I, I just I think that's the same thing with Garant too. He's found it. And like, it was funny hearing like some of the Flames broadcast. Like, they're praising him as like. Good Branson, in his role, might be the best defenseman on the Flames. And it's like, yeah, well, if he's using the right spot, he can be effective. Yeah. Like He's just not going to be the the puck-moving pairing that works out so well with Ben Hutton here in Vancouver, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, man. Ben, I don't miss those debates. Ben Hutton's <laughs> the best end-shell defenseman in the league. Oh what
0: are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris, prospect report, closes out here.
3: Yeah, so the Canucks signed uh, Linus Carlson, which has uh, happened since our last recording, which is obviously good news. And it kind of just got me thinking about the question of like ranking the prospects at development camp. Um, So I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of defense prospects unless the Canucks draft one that I would even put in the top three, but looking at three, the top three prospects to see at development camp this year, it's going to be Linus Carlson. It's going to be Aiden McDonough. And I think Arshdeep Baines is like, it's going to be really interesting to see what Baines does. Like this guy, this guy was the leading scorer in the WHL. And I think that means something. Cause like I look at Tristan Nielsen, I look at chase waters, uh, and I look at Al Canuck Leeert who looked like they fit in in the WH in the AHL this past season, who are guys from the WHL and it's like they weren't the top like 50 scorers in in the WHL league. like they weren't up there that high in scoring. so it's gonna be really interesting for me to just see like how the top the top dog in the WHL fits with the Vancouver Canucks and I think he'll have a big impact out there in Abbotsford. So be interested to see that. I also talked with uh, Connor Lockhart uh, yesterday and he's got high expectations. And I know that something that he said was kind of interesting from training camp when he had here in Abbotsford was that the Canucks wanted him to play center, so, he might be moving to some center as well for development camp, and then might be playing center next year in the OHL too, seeing what happens with him uh, next year. So, keep an eye on Lockhart, the uh, young guy, really skilled. But, man, I thought he skated really well at training camp. Like, I really thought he kept up with guys. And, like, he said that after leaving training camp and, like, taking faceoffs against Bo Warbat, he, like, goes to the OHL. And he said this, like, if he didn't want to sound, like, cocky or anything. He's, he's like, just felt so much better because I was like, I was taking face-offs with Bo Horvat three days ago. Now I'm taking face-offs against the 17-year-old kid in the <laughs> OHL. Like, it's a little bit of a different uh, uh, feeling for him. So it was good to chat with Lockhart. Um, and then, yeah, I chatted with Lucas Forsell as well. That might have been before the last episode, but good, good stuff from him. Uh, lots of these guys are just really excited for development camp. And honestly, so am I. Like, UBC. Well, obviously, I know, I'm the one who talks to all these guys, but like being out there at UBC is going to be so much fun to finally get a development camp. It's been two years since they've had one. Uh, all the guys drafted in 2020, all the guys drafted in 2021, they've never seen a Canucks development camp. Some of them haven't even been to Vancouver. So, super excited for the summer. I can't wait to get to uh, the NHL draft and then like that weekend. So, like that is a fast week, man. You think about it, like July 7th, the draft. That's day one. July 8th is day two. July 10th is the start of development camp. July 13th is the start of free agency. July 15th is when the de- development camp ends. Like that week right there in July is the, I think I might said June there. I meant all of that's in July, yeah. uh, but whatever, like the, that week from July 7th to 15th, there is so much going on. So I'm pumped for that. Yeah. going to be a lot of fun. Why?
1: any closing remarks? Oh my God. I put me in the, in the center stage here. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to give a shout out to Big League Chew. See in front of me. Yes. And uh bright spot highlighters.
0: There you go. Fantastic. <laughs> Wyatt, thanks for doing this. It was a lot of fun to get you on. Well,
1: thanks for having me on, boys. No, it's fun. I'm looking forward to uh, another season of hockey coming up and talking Canucks. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just fun that it's not this the Jim Banning era, not to bag him, them, but just there's something different, right? To see what the new team, new management's going to do. And that alone is exciting because I'm sure you can all agree we've had a lot of the same talking points for, for seven to eight years. So it's kind of fun to see where the new direction might take us. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it uh, for sure.
0: Absolutely. All right. For my co-host, Chris Faber and our special guest. Why aren't my name is Dave Quadrelli? Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks
3: Conversation delivered
1: by DoorDash.
3: Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?